This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart, and as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback, and I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cammy here. Well, you know what? Today on the show, Grace Baldridge, who, under the recording name, Semler recently hit number one on the Christian music charts as an out queer person. This is so interesting to me. I loved talking to Grace. I loved, um, I don't know. I mean, this is a really nerdy conversation about like Christianity, but you know what? Sometimes it's just for me, y'all. Sometimes the show is just for me. Uh, Please enjoy this episode. And oh, you know what else I wanted to mention to you? Patreon. You go to patreon.com slash heyqueeros. You could subscribe to this show. You could become a patron. You could give me like a dollar a month. You know, that doesn't have to be like some big thing, but it really does help support this show. I use that money to pay myself. I also use that money to pay Sierra. And you know, I really appreciate all of you that have already gone out of your way to be such supportive sweethearts. Enjoy the episode. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still holding on, darling, I know, I know, I know it's careless. Your audio sounds great, Cameron. Like, it sounds like it's already been mixed and everything. Well, they mailed me a microphone. Oh, well, there you go. And then Jordan had to get onto a Zoom with me, honestly. Just to direct me to plug it in. Mm. Look, I'm doing my best. <laughs> I really am. It's <laughs> it's like more confusing than you would think to plug in a microphone. I don't know if that's true. You, no, I think true. you might be generous in this no, moment. It's but, true. Okay. Sure. All right. I'll. You it know what? Is. Sure. Yes. Let, and. Let's, yeah. <laughs> let's have that be the truth. Um. You know, part of part of it is that actually. Jordan, let's keep this in the show. This is the, how the show's starting this week. Okay. Um, yeah, and then you you could be in it too. That little teeny moment was... But the truth is, is that honestly, um, when we transitioned from the studio to home, like I'm like, I got a lot going on. I'm barely hanging in there to at all times because I just have many different things. So shout out to Jordan, Matt, and Sierra. Yeah, Jordan, Matt, and Sierra. Held my hand and made this possible <laughs> they for the last over a year. Because I really you needed to plugged their in help. the mic. Yeah. It was just sometimes a I, big it's communal just true. process. Yeah. Sometimes I have to text Sierra, like, who am I interviewing tomorrow? And then she answers me. But if I just scrolled up, I also asked her that two days ago. So mm-hmm. it's just, it's fine. Everyone's fine. I think that's, support. if we could say one thing we about the past support. like year, it's like everyone's just totally fine. That yeah, everyone's been total, really fine. And that's normal. true. Mm-hmm. You're right, and that's true. Nothing's hey, changed. let's let's seamlessly transition into me saying I always have guests introduce themselves. Would you introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Grace Baldridge. I'm a musician who makes music under the name Semler, which is my middle name. And I recently became the first openly queer artist to hit number one on the Christian music charts, and. That's kind of what I did over quarantine. I have two dogs. Um, I have a wife. Um, and my dad is a priest. So that was kind of um, something that I did growing up was be gay in a rectory. And uh, I wrote about it and put it out. And it became the project that was Preacher's Kid. And now I'm sitting with Cameron Esposito, which is super strange and cool and fun. <laughs> oh, it's uh, lovely to meet you. It's so good. I'm so glad you're here. Yeah. I want, and I have already been writing down follow up questions from that incredible intro. Thank you. You know, I will say you really did me a service. I sometimes, look, I, it's a choose your own adventure. And sometimes folks have a very short answer to that question. But I really appreciate the breadth of what you just said. 
Thank okay, you. good, good. I didn't yeah. want to give you too Beautiful. much or too little, just the right amount where we you nailed just the volley. shit out of it. You know what I mean? Yes. Just volley back absolutely, and forth. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> here's, a, here's a first question. And this is, you're certainly not the only artist who does this, but I'm always just curious about it. Why not record and uh, release music under your own name? Yeah, totally. It's super intentional because my name is Grace Baldridge and Grace is like a super gendered name. Um, I think my parents very sweetly, it's very funny now, were like, oh, we had this baby girl and they didn't expect to have me. And my mom was like pretty old when she had me. And so they were like, it's by the grace of God that we have this baby girl. And now um, this is a podcast. So you can't see me, but I have like a shaved mullet and like a knife tattoo. Like the, the grace of God looks a little different than they probably expected. So I like people to experience my music in a kind of gender neutral space. And that's my middle name lends itself to that similar. It, you don't know if I'm a girl or a guy when you listen to it. And my voice is naturally lower anyway. And I just kind of prefer my music to be experienced in that space. And also it carries a lot of family history because all the musicians are on the similar side of the family. So I just stuck with similar and my friends still like call me Grace, but when I'm performing, it's... It's like a, not like an alter ego. It's just, I like to be seen more authentically and that feels like similar to me. Wow. That's such a, I mean, thank you for sharing all that. And it makes so much sense. It's also, I guess it's interesting. I, I am sure there are other examples of this, but it, it is interesting that, um, this, a state of grace, Mm -hmm. the concept of grace, the, the act of grace, those, that is not at all gendered but yeah sure the name is and so it's it's just interesting that um that we as humans <laughs> for the we, we sort of assigned to, femininity took that time yeah yeah we assigned femininity to grace in a way that is strange because grace is i think such a beautiful quality and i do really like my name i just understand that how it's perceived socially mm-hmm. is not how i like to be perceived so i yeah, have an option to change that as an artist that's that's right yeah you totally do i mean i you know i'm i'm in like a the opposite end of the spectrum where growing up my name was very confusing for people it still is often mm-hmm. confusing for people people think it might be carmen that was something but i also have like a truly gender neutral name and as a kid, that was actually super intense because um, I really, I will say, I think I really wanted to be placeable for a lot of, like, just interpersonally as a mm. kid. And it was just like, it. no matter what was going on with my hair or what I was wearing, I always just had, like, a gender fluid or androgynous energy, something going yeah. on. And then to add the gender neutral name on top of that, like I'm like, I'm very, it really does feel like my name, but it is very, it was traumatic as a kid because I felt like, oh God, there's like nothing to lean into. Like, did you have to almost grow into it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. So, um, and then also what you're, you know, what you're talking about is, you know, now that it like also means something, uh, about who I am in my work. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I think, why a couple of years ago I started, like, if I'm doing something that's, like, more chat, I, do, I call myself Cammy because it's, like, a very different vibe than the thing that I'm doing on stage, which is, like, totally meant to be very um, powerful. Well, it's incredible how how just by virtue of a name, you can already change the dynamic of how someone's perceiving you in a conversation. Yeah. If I were to introduce myself as, well, I do, because I also do hosting and unscripted interviewing. And so when I've gone into spaces, specifically conservative spaces, and I introduce myself as Grace, which is my name, then they're having, I can literally see this like moment of realization wash over people of like, but why is the giant dyke grace? It doesn't make sense. <laughs> and like, and I kind of enjoy that of just sort of subverting people's expectations of who I am. But as far as music goes, I'd rather just like keep it super neutral um, and just sort of more true to my roots and my family. And it just never seemed to fit as grace. And hmm. I really appreciate that you seem to understand that because for a while it was for like the years when I was making music and 
telling that to people, a lot of people didn't get it. And they'd be like, you just have to start going by Grace. You just have to say that you're Grace Baldridge and you're making music too. And I was like, in my gut, that doesn't feel right. And so it's huge that now I'm, you know, I think I'm making the best music of my life and I'm doing it as similar. And that is so meaningful to me. Yeah. I mean, also I would, I would add to that, that there's a whole, I mean, of the artists that I've even just had on this show or the people that I go see, this is, this is, I think also, um, I know a lot of queer folks that, that do this, but like, I don't, I don't think I've ever made that connection until just now, but you know, it's, I mean, why Annie Clark decided to be St. Vincent, you know, why, I mean, I've had, I've had Soak on this show and I've had Claude on this show and like a lot of just like people who are doing, yeah, like in an ungendered or a, um, like a stage name that is, Mm -hmm. that's just like leading with what they, what they, how they want to be perceived. So I I totally get what you're saying. And, and uh, yeah, this is, this is part of our stuff. I'm realizing it in real time. Um, Grace, I also <laughs> want to ask you a couple other questions. Yeah. Here they are. Priest, to me, I've only ever heard that word. Look, I don't know any, everything under the sun. I've only ever heard that word um, in Catholic circles because I actually take a shit ton of, I have, I've been in a lot of religious spaces. When I use the word priest, people clock me as Catholic because it turns out seems they use the word preacher, minister, whatever it is. What, what how? denomination what, how? is yeah. your dad? My dad is an Episcopal of. priest. Ah, never mind. Never yeah. mind. Never mind. So he is, Got it. he's, there he you is go. a priest. He's also a reverend. Um, I mean, the, the title of my EP is Preacher's Kid. And so he's also a preacher. He's also been a chaplain in the Navy. He's, he's worn a number of right. different hats with regards to being a leader of faith. The term in the Episcopal Church is priest, so that's what I say. But I, you right. are not the first person to basically be like, then how are you here? <laughs> because it well, would seem yeah. like a child has slipped under the radar of a <laughs> celibate priest. Um, but no, my, in the Episcopal tradition, they're allowed to marry and have families. Yes, they are. And actually, I believe that the reason that the word is priest in the Episcopal tradition is because of a branching off. Totally. They, they were the so, Anglican church. And then they, like, yes, for like divorce. It was like, it, isn't it because like one of the kings wanted to divorce Henry VIII? Yeah. Yeah. There, it's really a murky history of all yeah, he like, wanted how to be denominations. Able to divorce. Are, yeah. But also, you know, but another thing that is true is that um, he wanted to be head of state, which mm-hmm. because, right, because the Pope is actually like the, or the head of the, you know, the Pope in terms of, Faith is the big top dog. So if you have a Catholic leader, people worry about that leader having allegiance to the Pope outside of national borders, which is funny that we that um, now that the Catholic Church is actually trying to make it so that Joe Biden cannot receive communion. They are doing themselves. A, do you know that? I didn't that is know that. That's happening. Yeah. Right um, now? They don't want yes. him to receive communion? Yes, because of his stance on abortion. Um and so the Catholic bishops of, in the United States are trying to make it so that, yeah, this is so that people have that view uh, so can't wild. receive communion, but specifically because of him. Anyway, are they gonna, what you are they think gonna the do? religious right would actually, like, claim Biden so that they can say, like, it turns out God is actually, they're like, you know, yeah. well, the religious right hates, it, it, look, we could talk about this for a while, oh my but gosh. Episcopal priest. So yes. wait a minute, hang on, Episcopal priest Okay, I'm going to try to dive into my understanding of being Episcopal. Everybody is chill with women and queer people being priests, or not everybody is chill with women and queer people being priests? Okay, well, I don't want to generalize, but I think as of now, the census from the like Episcopal governing yeah, yeah, yeah. body— We're talking about teaching Okay, body. yeah. Sure. Is they are chill with queer people and chill with women as priests, because I know that— I mean, you know, just on a, on a personal level, growing up, I was part of like seeing that happen, sort of mm-hmm. like wa- like having those conversations and figuring out what the stance of the Episcopal Church was going to be. Before mm-hmm. I even had heard like the term queer people, I remember at coffee hour just having 
overhearing conversations that now make sense to me, but didn't really at the time about how certain members were being included in leadership and how people felt about that. And when bishops were coming into town, and I remember that there was one very high powered, uh, bishop or someone who was a woman who was coming through and it was this big deal because we were our church was basically co-signing her or something like that so now those growing pains i think have really leveled out and as a denomination our stance is that of being affirming and inclusive but i know that that is not always been the case i mean there's no that's that's not always been the case for i don't think any christian church right i mean this is very interesting to me and the reason i ask it is because we think about something like the Christian charts or even like the the cultural what's being pushed in the US about um who Christians are it, you know it's it favors the the religious right you know it favors yeah. the folks who like hate us right that's in terms of media coverage and it is always interesting to me because like even if you just think about TV or they're like, like Fox News is like trying to stage a fight or whatever. Well, this would even happen on Fox News. CNN is trying to stage a fight. It's like they'll have a person on that they're like, this is a Christian. And then they'll have opposite that person. And this is like a communist who is an atheist. Yeah, You know, they'll have those people debating. And I think so much of it puts forward this narrative that like that there is nobody that is affirming there is nobody that is accepting and then that creates further harm for us because like you know a parent of a queer child is like well now i have to give up everything i've ever you know cared about because mm -hmm. it turns out that all of christianity thinks this you know or or when we're talking about schools you know and and we're talking about like well, we have to make sure christmas is celebrated because gay people are gross you know like everything is the the lining up and the smoothing out of mm -hmm the representation there like really sucks actually it i think it does a ton of damage um yeah i saw a quote from um, i mentioned it yeah well i saw a quote from billy porter recently and just saying something to the effect of like one of the first things that's stolen from queer people is our spirituality because typically there are of course exceptions but for the most part whatever faith tradition you were raised in at one point in time you were likely taught that who you were was not going to be okay and in alignment with the God that you were taught loves you. And that is so incredibly damaging. And I think about that a lot with regards to those types of conversations that we do see on news channels of where it's like, this person is from the Christian right and this person is gay. And that's how they have these conversations. And we're not really appreciating um, or acknowledging the intersection of these of, of all these identities within faith and outside of faith and within different sexualities and genders. And I think that that is absolutely harmful because you cannot be what you can't see. And so for me, what was really hard was um, like my first YouTube searches, I would type in like gay Christian. And the first things that would pop up were like ex-gay testimonies. And we weren't talking about things at my church. You know, we were just very like, it's the Episcopal way. Just don't ruffle any feathers, like hush, hush really happy that we ended up being affirming. But in the absence of that conversation, I went to YouTube and what I found was like really scary. And I started filling in those gaps on my own. And so I, I'm hopeful that now we're reaching this point where we know that the majority of LGBTQ plus people do cite some sort of religious or spiritual affiliation. Why are we not speaking to that? Why are we not acknowledging that more? And, and that's hopefully perhaps the place that I've found myself in and reflecting on my time growing up in the church, being a queer person, having doubt, having faith, and all of it, this mixed together. There's no division in me as a person. It's, I'm a whole person in Christ and I'm gay as hell. <laughs> Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. 
Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Wow. So you are, I mean, that's the next thing I was going to ask is, um, you know, personally, how you identify today um, as a person. So you ident- you're a person of faith. Yeah, today. for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I would, I always like to say that I'm a faithfully skeptical Christian in the sense that like, I'm the person who like stands up at communion or like standing in line waiting to receive the blood of Christ. And I'm like, this is a cult. Like, come on. Like, I'm in a cult. I recognize, I didn't have a choice. Like, one of the first songs, one of the first lines on my EP Preacher's Kid is the first song I learned spoke of Bethlehem. And, like, is that prophecy or is that brainwashing? Like, I don't know how I learned about God. I don't remember learning how to pray. It's just interwoven within me. And I know that I do have a connection to the divine and to scripture that has been a source of comfort and healing in my life. But I also can recognize that, like, I don't know any different. That was the culture that I was brought up in. I was never given an opportunity to discover faith on my own, and I wonder what I might find. The language that was given to me was Christian language. The terms to understanding God was Christian language, and I, I was given a Bible, and that's how I've sort of made sense of different things. And I want to be discerning in that, and I want to appreciate the mystery of faith and, like, questions abound about like did any of this stuff like really happen like you know what I mean like I'm not a literalist at all but I also can't deny that when I pray I'm praying in the name of Jesus when you're talking about Jesus who do you mean (laughs) um the Jesus of the Bible I guess like Jesus of Nazareth is that like yeah I I, (laughs) I think there might you know when I um I'm asking that question because I might be more, I'd be more, be more well positioned than some people to understand what you're talking about. You know, I um, am also somebody who, well, I actually believe that I was raised in a cult, um, but I, I do um, at the same time think that human wisdom um, that has been accrued over history. <laughs> Um, exists for a reason, you know, when, when we look at different kinds of, you know, spiritual text, when we look at like how we sort of get to all the, the realizations that we have throughout our individual lives, there's Mm -hmm. also this like arc of all of our lives that's happening at the same time. You know, Mm -hmm. there's, there's, there's you and me, there's like our generation, but then there's, you know, American history, and then there's, like, world history. And I, I kind of think um, it really fascinates me to look at people's explanation for why we're here and what we're supposed to do with our time. And so I don't think that when we talk about, especially, if, like, within the queer community, I don't think that when we talk about Jesus, like, even as a person, like, even the hearing that name, it, like, it, like, um, creates a little bit of, like, a, weird feeling in my spine and this is as somebody who really believes that the bible is like actually full of some important teaching about yeah. what we're doing here you know i also think it's full of <laughs> some um <laughs> cultural context that we should look at because it's part of our history too and that we should um, probably not apply to our lives in the 21st century but yeah like it's yeah. A, you know some part of it is history it's yes, like oh, this is how we felt about things as a yeah as a cultural. This context. is how the this is how the um you know this is a a cultural norm of the time you know a lens yeah um, but anyway I think you know when you're talking about like believing in Jesus or praying to Jesus I guess what I'm asking is I'm do I imagine all of this thing to say yeah. like not do you imagine but like what are you talking about because I think. I know, I know it's not, you're not talking about like white sky God. Yeah. But given that we only talk about white sky God, right? (laughs) Yeah. What are you talking about? Well, I think what was really formative for me was 
as I started coming out and being honest about who I was, was really the first time in my life that I actually felt comfy enough to pray. So, and that started breaking down a lot for me of like, okay, wait a second. I am going against biblical womanhood, I guess. And now I feel more interested in creation. So let me unpack other things that maybe were taught and deeply ingrained in me that I need to like dismantle. And the common phrasing within a lot of circles is deconstruct. So when I say that I'm like praying to Jesus, when I say, when I talk about the divine, a thing that was so crucial for me was like breaking down those notions of sky God, who is man, like on cloud. Like I had to really break down, like, why do I think that? Where is the evidence for that? Going into like early translations that refer to God in like a plural sense. So that, so that it's like beyond gender, it's, we're expanding beyond anything that we can conceive of and feeling like really small, but so comfortable and like at peace with my tininess, if that makes sense. Like it's sometimes I just like love thinking about like just how small everything that we worry about must be in the grand sense of like the universe. And that, so when I'm praying to Jesus, it's like, that is the, the word and the bib and like the gospels were the example that were taught to me as a kid of what absolute radical love looks like in a lived written form. And so when I'm praying, I'm thinking of that. That is like who I am praying to. I'm praying to absolute love in the name of Jesus, because that's how it was taught to me. Um, But I know that in different traditions and cultures, that absolute love has been given another name that is just as valid and holy and divinely inspired. And all of it, you know, once you allow space for all of it, it like comes rushing in, you know, and when you allow yourself, that's what I think is so frustrating with a lot of my friends in more conservative traditions is like, you're, you're boxing in God. And if you can wrap your mind around the, 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 I guess the operating system of the divine is that really a creator that is all powerful. (laughs) If you, if you can like, like drill them down to like a chore list of things that you have to accomplish in your lifetime and, and things that you have to adhere to in order to find favor in that divine, is that really an ultimate, beautiful, loving creator? If you and our little like peanut brains, if we can be like, no, 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 I got it. This is what this God would vote for legislatively speaking. Like what? Mm -hmm. That is insane. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Except that for some reason I can, not for some reason, you know, I, um, I've been like on a personal quest to sort of understand a little bit more about what, what manifestations of spirituality, organized manifestations of spirituality make sense to me. Um, and for me, if I think about like what is interesting to me. It's a sort of a liberative spirit. Like that's something that I'm obsessed with and have been curious about for as long as I can remember. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think about um, the black church in America as having such a basis for that in, in preaching and in um, tradition and not necessarily um, on issues of queerness um although like church by church and preacher by preacher but um i can understand that there are some places where i feel like that was better enacted this like liberative spirit than sort of what i saw growing up because Mm -hmm. i do think there are parts of the catholic church that have that going on um and i think there are a lot of parts that don't you know, so for me, that's when I really like had to take a step back from being part of an organized religion. It's because I felt like, wait, I read this thing and what I got from it was that we're looking to liberate. And right. it seems like what you're doing is the opposite of that, you know? And um, I just couldn't understand. I just couldn't understand. Like, I just felt like I can't be smarter than you, like all of you. I can't be smart. It can't be that I know this and you've never thought of this. So, oh, maybe you don't care or like, 
we're reading this and we're taking the, you know, a different thing from it. Um, mm-hmm. And it seemed like such a different thing. So that's, that's really for me, what like this sort of schism that's happened within my own self that like, I've never sort of re that I've never sewed back together is like how we can be working for, you know, liberation as people personally, and then culturally and package that at all. It's been very hard to figure out how that could be, how that can be harnessed into then a group of people who sit together. Does that make it any sense? Never, and yeah, totally. It almost never works. I mean, think about right. what the things that are coming out about like Hillsong and those like very like Instagrammable celebrity mega churches that, you know, let's say 10 years ago, maybe five years ago, were really hitting their stride and popularity because they were advertising were different. We're doing something different. But in fact, you know, because of how fallible we all are and because absolute power corrupts absolutely, and we were given given so much money and authority um, in such a short span of time, we're finding out about the the behind-the-scenes abuses that were occurring and how actually quite regressive and exclusionary their theology really was. Um, and so I, I, I totally understand that. It's something that I still struggle with. I am a member of a church out here in California, but I, I'm not a regular attendee. I, I really like the, the reverend there. I think she's incredible. But I grew up going to the church like every day. I lived in the rectory. And so I almost like saw behind the curtain growing up. I saw about like how people talked about money and issues of hiring and like just natural it, it's a it's a workplace we forget about right. that like the church is someone's right. workplace and so people are like gossiping at coffee coolers you shouldn't it's not a great thing but you do <laughs> you know sure. like if so and so didn't wash the robes on time and so now you're in like kind of gross robes from a few weeks ago like you're going to talk about it like oh like Brenda didn't wash the robes and it it like it the almost like the mystery and the like wonder is sort of gone, you know? And so I think that's something to remember about any organized religion. It's just people getting together and kind of agreeing on the direction that their interpretation of scripture is leading them to. But at the end of the day, it is a business. Like they want people to come in the doors so yeah. they're going to figure out how to package it in a way that pleases people. And so I I still, it's something that I'm like very conscious of as I like am writing Christian music, which is like, it's explicit Christian music. It's not, I, I call it like praise and rage. It's not praise and worship because there's a lot of anger in it. It's like praise and rage music. And um, I think that I'm just very aware of how do I want to enter Christian spaces if I do it all? Like I want to write music for people who, identify with this experience but i also like don't necessarily want to go on tour with stephen curtis chapman and like amy grant no offense to amy grant she seems sweet but like you know what i mean like i don't know if i really want to be held to that weird standard and christian packaging because it's not me not that i mean obviously of course it's not me like they never they don't want me (laughs) i have okay so yes let's let's i have i have several things to revisit here okay um first of all I just, this has nothing to do with anything, but yes, I, when I was like a little teeny kid and I was an altar server, just like, you know, priest assistant in the Catholic church, I just remember the day that I like saw the bag that all the hosts come in, which are, it's like, what do we call the Eucharist? You know, yeah. cause it's like, it's, um, they're like little crackers wafers. and chips or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Wafers. Yes. And anyway, you know, it's like the church smells like the church. It, it, you know, there's like an, a vibe of incense, everything, you know, going in early. I'm like putting on a robe or whatever. But then you open this closet. It's like a giant like Costco plastic bag of wafers, wafers that then you like stick your hand in and then pull it out and then like mm-hmm. put that into like a gilded chalice, you know. Yeah. So it is funny to see the I I can't quite imagine what you may have seen growing up, but I feel like. Some of it is just knowing, like, that the wafers come in a giant, a huge part like, of it body-sized bag. That and that 
Well, it should be a body size a bag. Body size anyway, bag. it really um, should be. If we're being like yeah. accurate, it's honestly it disrespectful if it was. Yeah. Yeah, but also, absolutely. like, if you ever received a bottle of wine from us for a gift, that was communion wine. Like, if you ever received like oh a my bottle God, of wine what? from my dad, that was totally communion well, wine. Well, that's really funny. Our, if it was ours red, did not come yeah. in a bottle. It was like a Carlo Rossi like, um, <laughs> like jug. Oh, you had a, well, like that's, that's what maybe, your church was probably doing better than ours. No, I think it sounds like yours was because my ours was going with for bulk. We're like, oh, yeah, like yo, Franzia. the wine is like you know that, my dude. Like, like just like slap the bag with like brandy yeah, box. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Um, and I want to I want to ask you what your shows are like, and also like maybe there's a bit of a maybe there's a bit of a middle stop here to talk about. So like. We hear a little bit about how you grew up. What happened next? How, what happened? What's the middle part between little kid and who you are now? What happened yeah. in the middle there? Uh, it's a blur. Um, okay, so I'll answer that part. Um, yeah, so I knew I was different for reasons I couldn't really explain around the age of like five or six. Like I always, the way that I present now, um, it makes me like very like kind of warm and fuzzy sometimes because it was like my wildest dream to be able to wear my brother's clothing growing up, like, and to have a haircut like his, like I, that was all I wanted. And I think like so many people, when you realize and you look around, you're like, oh, I can't do this. Like, this is not okay. I remember like, man, I remember this watching a sitcom one time with like family and friends. Like it was some, we were all watching TV and like a butch character entered into the sitcom. And I don't even remember what she did, but she was just immediately the butt of the joke, like immediately the butt of the joke in, and everyone was laughing along with it. And so I remember like looking around being like, dang, like I thought she looked so cool. (laughs) And everyone was like just laughing at her. And so I was like, well, I don't want to be like laughed at. And it was little things like that, you know, so that I eventually like started presenting like real femme and being like, I'm just going to make this work. I think a lot of us, it's like, can you fake it till you make it? Like maybe if I just keep trying, I'd go on like mission trips and youth group and I'll be like, maybe like, I'm going to really, I'm going to meet a boy. Like, let's do it. I'm going to make it work with a good Christian boy who will never touch me. Like, yes. (laughs) And, um, it just, it got to this point where I was doing all the like right things and I was like spiraling privately. And, I think, uh, I think around the time I, I did start coming out to people, but I just like, couldn't, I, I like, couldn't act on it basically. So like from the age of like 16 until like 20 was when I was coming out to people and I was having like secret relationships and things like that. But publicly I was still very like a uh, good Christian girl autumn or whatever. And, um, Eventually, I just like kind of reached my breaking point. And I think moving to Los Angeles was a huge, I moved when I was 22. And that was a huge thing for me of just seeing more regularly other people wandering around that looked in a way that felt comfortable to me that were not the butt of the joke that were thriving, you -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. and I actually remember a show of yours that I saw like got, um, I can't on like CISO was that? Yeah. Am I remembering that? Yeah. And I just remember being like, that is so cool that like, I just seeing people that I just really identified with doing well, like was mind blowing. So I think it was actually like from 22 moving to LA and just like seeing more representation. It's so powerful. Representation is so powerful. Gave me little by little the courage to start being myself and like, just like even shopping in sections that I liked, like the number I had to pretend to like flats for like years. I told, I remember one time saying or agreeing that I thought Johnny Depp was cute. Like that's, that's hard. That was weird. Like, the, you know what I mean? Like just didn't be like, it's so cute in the movie. Like it's awful. It's awful. How long ago was, was this for you? Like what you moving to LA? I moved to LA probably like seven years ago. Seven. Yeah. Seven, maybe eight years ago. So, yeah. but it was like, it's like a slow, it's kind of a slow burn. I still, yeah. I think also like once you start being yourself, then you only start to dream about like, well, now what do you want to do? Because for a while I was like, I'll be a, I was a PA. I worked as an assistant. I did a lot of like industry type stuff. I was so private about my songwriting because 
I was just like, I'm not Taylor Swift. I'll never make it. Like, I'll like, I'll never be like the good girl next door. No one's going to care about my sad songs. And then I think quarantine afforded so many of us the time of like, kind of cutting the bullshit of like, I don't, I just didn't even have there. I didn't have the bandwidth to care about what people would think. So I just recorded everything on this mic here at home it accidentally ended up being like a Christian record because that's what I was thinking about. That's what was on my heart. And I, you know, and then kind of the rest ended up happening, but I, it was, it took Wait, a while. On. Yeah. But what is the rest that ended up happening? So you recorded it on this microphone in your house. Yes. And I released it independently on a website called distrokid.com. And I promoted it on TikTok. I was like, you know, we could, you know, it would be cool if we charted, basically. Like, if a queer artist charted in Christian music, that'd be amazing. And, you know, people really have showed up for me. And I think that the thing that we're always conditioned to believe, especially within, like, communities of faith, is that if you can't make it work, you're alone and you're the problem. And what yeah. I found was that there were so many other people who, even if we didn't have the exact same story, resonated with parts of the story. Or, like, I have a song about youth group lock-ins. Yeah. And they're like, I went to a youth group lock-in. And so I think that finding that there's so many more of us, we were never alone. We were told that we were isolated, that we couldn't make it work, but there's so many more of us. And so, yeah, so then we ended up hitting number one for like three days, and which was crazy. And then from that point forward, you know, I've been really like focusing on my music. I'm putting out another EP hopefully this fall and like we're going on like tour this November, like there, it's just been a whirlwind of basically listeners and people saying, I want to hear this. I, and I was told point blank by a Christian music executive that no one would, which is crazy. You, well, no, that sounds, that sounds actually, yeah, no, that's, that sounds right. And then it's awesome. It's so, well, let me, okay. So you're going on tour. Is this your first experience like that? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. And do you have it is it all do you know the venues that you're playing and, yeah. and you know the size so, and how how many and so and, i'm opening um, for um katie pruitt who's this incredible artist and um she is just super super talented i'm opening for her on three dates and then we're planning a headline show in also in november here in los angeles and they're all like dive bars so it's like a it's like a dive bar. Um, I want to come to your show in in Los Angeles. Yeah, that would be awesome. I think I think it's going to be a really fun time because it's like it's a bunch of just uh, my dream of dreams would be for it to just be a room full of people who felt like they're they'd never fit in, who get to sing like praise and rage songs. However, wherever place it comes from, if I'm like the last Christian show you go to before just like a big F you to the sky, then I would be honored. You know, like if you, <laughs> if like, you know, if you just, you know, if you, if you're interested in being around other people of faith or other queer people, if you never felt like you could wear what you wanted to in Christian spaces because of purity culture, like I want you to like wear whatever you want and be exactly who you are. No asterisks. There's so many Christian communities that have that asterisk over like, come as you are, but like, you should kind of be this way. I, I want all of that gone. I just want people to gather and find community. And if you feel like mad about it, there should be space for that in faith as well. Sure. I mean, also, it doesn't surprise me what you said about that Christian music executive, but, um, you know, it's, it, it feels like, you know, Casey Musgraves, like Jason Isbell, sort of, we're, we are living in a moment where, especially for white people um, who grew up, like, you know, maybe anybody in their, let's say, 20s, 30s, and 40s, especially. Um, I think that for white folks, I think our social awareness has changed pretty significantly. I mean, there, there, the 60s also haven't. Um, but, you know, for people like sort of my generation or our generation, I feel like, you know, I really was raised in, like, you know, I remember the 80s and the 90s, and I think that that was a lot of, like, white denial. That was, were like, hardcore, like, taking a lot of stuff back, mm -hmm. a lot, taking mm -hmm. a lot of regulating a lot of movement forward and not that things are fixed, but I do think that's 
because of being raised in the 80s and 90s, there's like, there, you know, there are some genres of things, <laughs> Christian music being one of them. Totally. Then you're in your 20s, 30s, and 40s, and you're learning more about the world, and it just no longer jives. And there is this huge market for, I mean, this is actually one thing that's happening um, for faith affiliation. Like, our generally in this country, our faith affiliation has like dipped massively in. Um, time with the advances in the LGBTQ plus movement. So it's like, yeah, Casey Musgraves comes on the scene and is like, follow your arrow. And mm-hmm. people have something that they can actually listen to that doesn't make them feel like shit or like they're not themselves when they put the music on that they like. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it seems like for what you're talking about, it's like, yes. Yes, yeah. there is a huge need for this. Well, um, I so when we hit number one, um, there was a direct correlation to like conservative media outlets writing reviews about the project. They pretty much ignored it for a while. Um, and I think that it was like, don't give it any attention. And then once it hit number one and we got picked up by NPR and, um, you know, there were some major media outlets that were interested in the story that then, you know, there was an uptick of conservative media. And one of the reviews was about, like, the limits. It was like it was like similar preacher's kid and the limits of inclusion. Basically, like, we should actually be less inclusive. And one of the takes on it was, like, similar is still clearly very heartbroken over things that happened to her in the church, and that's okay, but, like, really, there's no praising of God on this record, and she should come back when she's happy and write about praising God. And so I I took that note and then I wrote a single that I put out called Thank God for That, which is like, it's almost like my version of Friends in Low Places, but like a Christian version. And the lyric is, (sighs) I'm fucking gay. Thank God for that. Christians cast me out, but Jesus had my back. So it's a, it's a liter, it's an explicit praise and worship song that like you only can sing with your friends when you're feeling sloppy. And they, and I was like, is this better now? Do you like, you just don't like that I'm that I feel whole in who I am. Just say the quiet part out loud. You don't like that I'm gay and that I view my queerness as a blessing. You don't like that. You disagree with it. That's fine. Just say that. Don't say that you want me to come back when I'm happy. I am happy because I made it through the shit that people like you put me through. I don't even know what to say. I just feel like I'm so happy for you. I feel like I'm so happy for you that that is how strongly you know yourself and and how sure you are about your identity. I mean, Jesus. I like Jesus I, I, literally. Yeah. <laughs> I I um you know, I didn't I didn't feel when when it's not like people were writing that article about me, but I was essentially writing that article about myself. Um, you know, I yeah, I didn't I didn't stay. Um, and, you know, I think like for me in my life, I don't know that that um, it created a whole other series of things that I'm thankful for. And also it was very painful um, because I th- didn't have the, I just didn't have the firm footing to say you're wrong. Mm. You know, um, I really thought for a long time that everybody is right. So I think that is for me, that's like one of the things that I'm still working through is like, you know, what happens when you're when you agree, when you're like (laughs) you read the byline and it's like written by me. I wrote this. Okay, well. You know, like, man, um, what a roast. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Sick burn. Yeah, it's really different to be in the situation that you're in. And I'm so happy for you that that's where you are. Thank you. I mean, it's definitely, I will say it's very strange. I think if I had gone back to like my 15 or 16 year old self and be like, hey, when you're my age, like you're going to be writing Christian music. I would have been like, hell no. Like, come <laughs> on. I, like, that's all I could listen to growing up. Like, get this shit out of here. Like, I don't want to listen to this anymore. Um, so it is like kind of strange how things unfold, but I feel very like present and excited to just kind of keep writing from this place because it feels like I have to. It's like so much on my heart right now. And I know that that's unexpected and it's strange, but sometimes I sound like my mom. Sometimes that's just like how life is. You're like, all right, I guess this is the cards I was dealt. And 
I don't want to ignore them anymore. I think I, I think I have to play through this hand to see what's coming next. And my hand right now is like queer Christian music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm very curious who will be at those shows that you're talking about, you Same. know, and, and what that will feel like. Yeah, I think it's going to I've done a few pop up shows here in Los Angeles to to prepare. I have a show tomorrow and it's been really fun, especially when people don't know anything about me. Like if I'm on a variety show and I and I kind of pop up and the intro is like we have a queer Christian music artist and you can just see people's minds just being like, what is about to occur? Like, is she about to play like Hillsong right now? And then to play Thank God for that, which is like explicit and just being, you know, one of the lyrics is like, hallelujah, we're all fucking weird, but there's a place for you at the table, honey, here. And having lyrics like that, and it's a very like sing-along friendly because that's Christian music and seeing people's response, I'm I'm excited about it. I just want I just want to put on a really fun show where people feel good about themselves and they feel really loved and supported because that's how I was raised in my Christian values. So when you have done those shows and you've gotten that intro and then you've walked out. And then you've played. Yeah. What has happened? <laughs> well, so what far, has it been like with the audience? I've and also, what, are we, what types of venues are we talking about? Are we talking about like a bar? Like what's, where, so where are these pop-up shows happening? Junior happening. High was, uh, was one. We did two, we did like a sh- two shows in one day at Junior High. And um, then we did uh, at like an outdoor show, like an outdoor bar show. Because, you know, a lot of the shows now are, are outdoors. I didn't know it was going to be yeah. outdoors, but whatever. Honestly, it's ended in like, it's been really fun. Like people, especially because they're so sing-along, it lends itself to sing-alongs. Thank God for that, especially. And that's typically what I close with. So people are like singing along to thank God for that and like clapping because it's like, it's fun and it's campy and it doesn't take itself too seriously. And I think for a lot of people, you never were able to experience faith in that way of like, it's not that serious it's just God. Like, it's, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, don't, you don't have to feel ashamed about who you are when we're talking about divine creation. Like, let's have some fun with this. Nobody knows what we're doing. And so it, the response sure. has been pretty fun. I mean, I, I totally hear you. I also think, you know, um, because of how fucked pretty much every major denomination has been, um, the idea of like bringing God into a cool space is that sounds honestly so risky. Like it's to me, it's like way less risky to to have no affiliation or to be like fuck all of this. Yeah. I it does actually sound kind of wild in a in anywhere that is like you know a hip and queer vibe. Anywhere that's like a leftist vibe, yeah. you know that is that's a. And this, and again, it's what we're talking. It's what we're talking about at the beginning. It's like these um, divisions have been. We've just favored. The choice has been made over and over again to like position the comedian against the like Christian rock musician. Yeah, as two sides of the same uh, as two sides of a coin. It's like it's yeah. never the same person. Unless it's really, unless the comedy is very bad. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I think, I think the reason, at least for, I've only done three shows since like from June until now it's. July. But you're also hearing from people on yeah. the internet. That's also feedback. So I wanted yeah. to say that's not yeah for not, sure. Not, but you know, live yeah. shows, it's a different sense of feedback. Like you, when you sure. bomb live, when you're not being received <laughs> live, it's a different thing than if someone tweets at you like, "I didn't think that worked." Okay. Um, so what I'm from the live shows, I think the reason why it's been working is because typically I've only done like three song sets because these are just pop-up shows, Yeah. but the two songs that I would play first are very autobiographical, um, that sort of explain the position I'm coming from. Like my single Jesus from Texas Uh is about very much talks about like growing up in the church with my parents being, you know, cast out by my best friend, believing in Bigfoot more than I believe in God sometimes. So, like, I really try and let people know from the jump, like, I I hope you can trust me here. Because I understand that when you hear 
Like when there's certain Christian language that is so triggering, justifiably so for queer people. And I want to be very respectful of that. So I don't open with thank God for that because I think that would be like, oh my gosh, shut up. Like I I try and like tell my story and then I end in a song like thank God for that because it's sort of, it's earned. Like I, I want you to know that like I'm at a place where I am thankful for my faith, but it, it's it's been an earned journey, and if you're not there with me yet, that's fine. That and is you a don't super interesting be. answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I I'm probably just going to ask you this one last question, then we'll we'll wrap up because of time. So, but this is what I'm dying to know. I don't, um, I don't know. I certainly don't know everything about Christian music, but what you just said, I think, is relatively unusual, right? Like. Oftentimes, Christian music is not of the autobiographical, yes, t- genre because it's because it's pray it's like you, like all of this through you. Like there might be like some details, but it's not. I mean, I, I listen to the songs that you're talking about. It's not what you're saying, which is like here's the um, yeah f- the flavor. Here's my family you know, my history. Journey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and that is, you know, that just strikes me as like. Yeah, if there's anything that's going to make a difference for to an audience, whoever's in that audience, and hopefully there are a lot of straight people who are Christians who hate gays, that would be that'd be great too. Oh, my, not, my for dream. Yeah. not for you. Not for you. Not for you. Not for you. You're you're safely protected somewhere. You're yeah. listening remotely. But um, yeah, I mean that's always what we end up having to do is to like put ourselves personally on the line. Um, and so the question that I want to ask is, you know, how you are taking care of yourself through this, because that's a lot to put out there. Um, it's a lot to put out there. I think I'm really fortunate that I have a great support system and that I've only been writing from this vulnerable of a place and the specific of a place kind of recently. And it, and that too feels very earned. I feel like I remember writing the last part of Jesus from Texas on a dog walk with my wife. And I said the last lyric out loud and she looked at me and she was like, that's good, but she's going to know this is like, you just have to know that these people that you're referencing will know that this is about them. And are you ready for that? Mm -hmm. And I remember looking at her and I was like, I I really am. It's almost like something just sort of switched overnight. I was like, I'm ready to talk about this now. Like I'm ready to, I don't, this is my story. I can't keep this in anymore. And I'm, I'm prepared. So I feel very fortunate that the place that I'm in as I was releasing music feels very stable, even though I'm writing about parts of my life that felt the most tumultuous. I think that's how I have taken care of myself was just by the virtue of time allowing me to not feel rushed when I wanted to talk about this. So I think that's been a major point for me. And then also songwriting is my therapy. It's something I do it every day. It's like, I, I, it, they're not all good, but I just mean that like anything I process that's sort of harmful or painful, my brain processes it in a jingle. I just like hear a little jingle and sometimes it ends up being a song or sometimes it just is like a funny little advertisement for what happened in my brain. And um that wow. is, that's just how, that's just how it is. And so I, I think that that's my form of self-care is it takes the bite. It takes like the sting out of what happened. If I can sing about it, it's not as scary. So that's, that's how I, I've been dealing with things. And I'm just so excited for like what is to come and to just keep writing from this place. And I really feel like we just scratched the surface. I can't wait to put out more music and um, that is not recorded on my Yeti mic, though I love this Yeti mic so much. I really do. <laughs> but I really can't wait to like uh, be in studios and um, just just keep sort of growing as an artist. Well, I'm I'm so glad I got to talk to you today. Really, thank you for your time and, and all your thoughtful answers. Before I send you back into your day, I wanted to ask you to shout out a queero which is a person, place, or thing that made you feel that you can be who you are today? Oh, this is such a great question. Um, I would say Pauli Murray has yeah. been front of mind. Yeah, so Pauli Murray, the first, um, the first of many things, but also was an Episcopal priest and also wrote like the 
basically the reference point that Ruth Bader Ginsburg used um, for some of her like major like legal legislation. So um, Polly is someone that I respect a lot and has, I've been seeing a lot of stuff about Polly and I wanted to shout them out. Yeah, absolutely. There is like a, it's a, it's a big uptick in um, awareness about that person's work in the last mm-hmm. year, at least in the stuff that I look at. Maybe there are listeners who don't mm-hmm. know a lot about what's going on in, in Christian uh, in theological circles, but I'm not one of those people. Um, we're, anyway. we're plugged in. We're cool. Yeah, we're, we're plugged <laughs> in in a different way. But it has been so nice to meet you. I can't wait to see you live. I'm definitely coming to a show oh, of yours. Oh, hell yeah. Thank you so much. This has been very, very cool. Like I said, I think seeing you so visible was like something that was so encouraging for me just wow. like moving to LA. So I, I really appreciate all the work that you've been doing. And this was very, very cool to meet you. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. What a sweetheart. <laughs> 